Listening Dog Media. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. He's one of England's most capped international players. Seaman is the man here. He's one of the world's most decorated goalkeepers. And it's somehow kept out by Seaman. That is a fantastic save. This is Seaman Says with David Seaman. And Seaman, what a magnificent save. Here. Breathtaking. Like never before. This is my great pleasure to introduce to Seaman Says, Mr. Piers Morgan. How are you, Piers? Thank <laughs> you, fans. What an honor, what a privilege to be in the presence of godlike greatness. <laughs> Seaman Says, in conversation. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not uh, as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. How are you feeling after yesterday? I'm feeling just oddly euphoric, which is never a feeling we normally have after playing Germany. Um, And I'm actually very excited because with Germany gone, France gone, Portugal gone, suddenly you think, well, hang on, well, why can't we win this? And I don't think it's false hope anymore. I think on paper right now, you would have us as one of the favourites, if not the favourite to win. We've got the best players. We're not conceding any goals. We're playing, certainly in the second half yesterday, with a lot of verve and energy. I love Grealish. I love Sterling. Um, I, you know, I think Harry Kane scoring again, hugely important. So I've got hope in my heart, ready to be dashed. 
but it's there. <laughs> it's the hope that kills you, Piers. <laughs> Always hope that kills. <laughs> what do you? Would you start with Grealish, Piers? You know, it's a really interesting question because, like everyone, I was screaming for Southgate to bring him on. But you can't argue with success in football. It's a results business. And Southgate's tactics so far have been, frankly, masterful. And using Grealish off the bench in the way that he's been doing as an impact sub to change the game when you get a few tired legs on the opposition is clearly working. So, you know, do I know more than Gareth Southgate, frankly, about this tournament, his squad, his players? I don't think I do. And you look at the talent on the bench yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he's got so many options um, but you can't argue with the win, you know, to beat Germany 2-0 in the emphatic way that we did. I'm happy for Gareth Southgate to continue making the decisions that he thinks he needs to do to win the tournament. And I think he's I think he's doing all the right things. Yeah. As an I've Arsenal, heard, I, sorry. Go on, go on, Lindsay. As an Arsenal fan, I just wondered uh, with Bukayo Saka what you made of his performance yesterday because it was heralded after the game prior to that. And, um, and he was a little bit quieter, but still had to do a lot. I thought he was terrific for the first half hour and then he ran out of steam a bit. You know, it's probably quite a big thing for a kid of that age to be in a tournament like this, just mentally quite draining. So I think they've got to manage him well. But the great thing is you can start with Saka, then you can bring on Grealish, you can bring on Foden, you can bring on Mount. You know, you can bring on Sancho, who been the Germans couldn't understand, given how sensational he's been in Bundesliga, why we didn't start with Sancho. So he's got a lot of creative options. And although it looked like, you know, at the start yesterday, a very boring negative lineup designed not to lose, when you watch the game play out and you saw how he kind of nullified the German threat and then brought on the creative stuff to really go at them and then won emphatically, you've got to say that Southgate made the right calls. And I, I'm happy to trust him. I think he's earned that right. What, what would you do with the next game? Would you go three at the back or four? Well, watching the Ukraine game last night, you know, I don't think we should fear them at all. And I think there's an argument for this next game to really attack them. Uh, I would. I, I think I would be more adventurous, more ambitious. I mean, look, that's in my instinct. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm an over-the-trenches and start-blazing kind of guy. So that may be completely the wrong tactic. And, you know, you have to remember, there's a, as you know better than anyone, David, there's a, there's a rhythm to tournament football. And there's no doubt all the momentum is now behind this England team. But I don't know, it'd be, it'd be quite something, wouldn't it, to see Grealish start with maybe Saka or Foden uh, and to really go on the attack against Ukraine and maybe go 2-3 up quite quickly, which I think watching them last night, I think we're perfectly capable of doing. Um, so I, I think that it's, it may be time to up the ante and send a, send a message that we are we're the big boys left. This is a conversation that David and I were having and David's on the side of the fence, which is stick with what's been working, keep those two defensive midfielders. And I'm saying go to one defensive midfielder and maybe someone like Bellingham could be that player to bring in. Um, but I, I, like you, Piers, think that against Ukraine, I don't want to underestimate them, but surely this is an opportunity to express ourselves and show the quality we have up front. It is, but as David knows again, better than any of us, <laughs> yeah. if Southgate does that and we lose, he'll get absolutely hammered for blowing what may be our greatest ever chance 
of a trophy since 96, uh, since uh, 66. Uh, 96, of course, we should have won. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I think I think these things, are, it's very difficult and it's very, very easy to be me or you <laughs> sitting on the sofa <laughs> shouting, get Grealish on, what are you, on nuts? <laughs> this is too negative. Um, I always prefer to judge people by performance and results in these situations. And I think that conceding no goals in this tournament is pretty extraordinary for an England team. And we look increasingly solid. I thought the back, the defence looked really solid. I thought Pickford, I mean, David, you're the expert in this area, but I thought he was terrific yesterday. I thought Shaw was terrific. I thought that um, having Maguire now running the back there, fantastic. You know, I just think that big players are beginning to turn up in a way they weren't either available or not turning up. So Kane scoring, huge moment. I think, for his momentum. So you start to think good goalkeeper, strong defence, very useful wing-backs. I mean, Shaw twice, brilliant yesterday. Uh, Sterling on fire, you know, Grealish, magical. You start ticking a lot of boxes with this team and you look at the bench and go, wow, options. So... You know, short of any big injury issues, we've got such a great chance. I know. You, you mentioned earlier, Piers, about momentum, and that's a, that's a great word because the momentum is getting bigger and bigger. You know, I think going through the group stages, we, we performed okay. You know, we weren't brilliant. You know, I still felt no. we had a lot to give. And even after the game against Germany, I still feel we've got more. We've got, yeah. we've got a better performance than that in us. You know, a bit yeah. like, say, Holland, when we played Holland in 96. You know, that, that was like a peak performance, you know, and I still well, feel that... That's the kind of thing I'm talking about with Ukraine now, because I remember that was a massive win. That It was a thumping, mm. glorious victory. And it sent a shiver through the spine of all potential opponents. I'd like us to do that against Ukraine. I think Ukraine are there to be slaughtered. And we've got the players <laughs> to do it. Uh, but I think if you want Kane to score goals you've got to give him service. And if you ask me who's the best at giving him service, it's Grealish. And I think that Grealish and Kane could become now, in the last few stages of this tournament, the crucial partnership. Because if you give Harry Kane the ball, as he showed yesterday, he will score. Yeah. But I want him, like we were chatting earlier about, I want, it, but I want Harry to be getting the ball in and around the box. I don't yeah. like it when he starts coming deep, you know, into midfield. I know he no, does it. Also, it's far, and also, it's far too much, you know, it's, it's all got to come from the others to give Harry the ball. He's also yeah. got to go and get the ball. Uh, but I do think that service from the wings for someone like Kane is crucial to maximise yeah. what he's great at. But I think also he can be more engaged and more involved than we've seen him so far. And, you know, you don't know what's going on with Harry Kane. I asked that question yesterday before he scored. What's, what's up with him? Uh, it can't just be the clearly terrible burden of carrying Spurs year after year, which must be <laughs> a painful experience. Uh, but he's not looked himself. And we know he's a world-class striker. But I just feel with strikers, it's like Lineker, it's like Shearer, it's like all these guys. When guys that good get a goal after a little drought, they tend to go bang, 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 bang afterwards. And I've got a feeling Kane's going to take us to glory. Yeah, I, I, honestly think, I totally agree. I honestly think as well that Luke Shaw could be key to that as well, because yeah. as well as Grealish supplying chances, I think Luke Shaw's really got the understanding of what Harry Kane wants as well when, when he advances forward. And, and we haven't seen as much of Luke Shaw. I think this is the game where last time round, Bukayo Saka earned his starting place. Is this the one where Luke Shaw has earned his for the next oh, game? I think no question. I think he's been, he was outstanding yesterday. And he, I think if Jose Mourinho was watching, he must have been thinking, 
wow, where did that Luke Shaw come from? And maybe he was there all the time. You know, I think that, um, yeah, I think big players, you know, they turn up at big tournaments. And I think Luke Shaw yesterday made an emphatic statement. You can't drop me. Uh, and Sterling, of course, is having a lot of fun with people saying, have you earned your right to have a place here? I think he has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I Instagrammed uh, uh, that yesterday and uh, he was in the dressing room and immediately responded to me privately with a large number of laughing emojis. I think... <laughs> I think Raheem thinks he's earned his right. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was brilliant in that interview when when the, the the girl asked him, you know, have you earned your right? And he just like he just looked at her in like total disgust, and he was like, "Really?" And you I know, thought- I'm, I'm actually really pleased with Sterling because he came into the tournament in pretty rusty form. Lots of speculation he might even be used to try and facilitate a cane transfer. Imagine how insulting that is if you're Raheem Sterling, <sighs> one of the yeah. best players in the country, if not the world. And you're suddenly being used as some piecemeal part of a transfer for somebody else, you know, who you're playing with. So I think Sterling's been our man of the tournament so far. And I think he's such a clever footballer. You know, he just does the the different stuff, the stuff that can unlock a defence like Germany. You just see him a couple of times doing what they didn't expect him to do. And yeah. I think that's what Sterling brings, lightning speed, but also very intelligent football brain. Is Raheem, yeah, the, guy, is Raheem the guy that you would like on your life stories of the current England squad? Yeah, I think Raheem, uh, I think Rashford. I think these guys who've had really interesting lives, uh, difficult lives in many ways. Um, You know, there's something fantastic, isn't there, about Sterling scoring at Wembley, literally a few yards from where he grew up. You know, this is literally scoring in his own backyard. Um, But we we know that he's had a tough... Uh, life. We know that Rashford's had a tough life, and they're such fantastic role models now for young kids in this country that you can come from very little and make yourself international heroes. And you do it. And I like I like their their manner, their demeanor. They're thoughtful. They're intelligent. Um, you know, they, their behaviour off the pitch now is exemplary. Uh, and you know, they, they, these kids grow up. I've got three sons in their twenties. You know, they all went through periods in their teens where they let themselves down and they've all matured. And I think with footballers, imagine, I was thinking to my kids, if they all suddenly were earning 500 grand a week, you know, the the ability to control yourself when you're 19, 20 on that kind of ridiculous money is very, very difficult. And so I really admire them, uh, particularly Rashford and Sterling, I think, in the team. Um, But there are others. I think, look, think about life stories is all you need is good name recognition and a perception by the public, oh, that'll be good. And I think those two would definitely tick that box. And so I think they give me they give me as good as I get as well. <laughs> That's brilliant. Piers, I've got you on now, so I've got to ask you about our beloved Arsenal. What, yeah. um, what's your feelings? Because I'm getting a little bit like frustrated as in where we're finishing in the league, and I'm sure you're the same. Well, it's not just frustrated. I'm, I'm furious. You know, we're, we still pay the highest ticket prices in Europe and we're getting a very mediocre level of football. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think it's easy to blame the Cronkies and I'm quite happy to do that. I don't think that they've shown enough commitment to make us really competitive. But on the Cronky side, they'll say, well, look, we've spent a lot of money. Uh, you know, they spent 70 million on Pepe, 50 million on Lacazette, 50 million on Bamiyang, 35 million on Mustafi. I mean, you know, you start at 45 million on Partey. These are not uh, small sums of money. They also say 
if you ask them, apparently, that they've always spent the money when they've been asked to by the manager, that they never turned down Wenger when he wanted to sign a big player. They didn't turn down Emery and they haven't turned down Arteta. Now, if that's true, that puts a lot more pressure back on the players who've been signed and on the managers. You know, I, I made no secret, as you know, David, and we, we've argued about this before, but I made no secret. I thought Wenger went on eight, nine years too long. I eight, nine bad. years? Yeah, yeah <laughs> wow. I can chart. I can chart when I first said he should go. And it was, uh, I think it was, we played Man City away and we lost 3-0. 2009, I think, something like that. 2008, maybe. And I, we just played so badly that I wrote a column going, I can't believe I'm saying this about the man who's made me happier than any man alive uh, and played the most wonderful football uh, at Arsenal through the players he's brought in. But I think it's time for Wenger to go. I then felt so guilty about what I'd written. <laughs> the next week, I wrote a whole column apologising. Uh, actually, the only one of the two columns I regret is the second one. Because everything I put in that first column was right. And we never improved from that point. Yeah. And I think the peak for Wenger was the Invincibles. And then, you know, the, the big mistake he made, he, he refused to give any of the Invincibles who were over 30 more than a one-year contract. So they all left. We lost yeah. all the invincibles within two years. So we went from being literally unbeatable to a team that everybody fancied beating. And I asked one question, and I'll put it to you, David Seaman, because you're the perfect guy to ask. But how many of this squad, honestly, would you put into any of Wenger's three title-winning teams? None of them. None that's of them the would problem. get in. That's yeah. the problem. And that's been the problem for the last... 12 years. Yeah. And that's why I say Wenger went on eight, nine years too long. And I honestly think when you look back over it all, it, he managed to cover over the tracks by winning a few FA Cups. But I'm sorry, and I used to, I grew up loving the FA Cup. I became an Arsenal fan in 71 when Charlie George scored his wonder goal at Wembley and we won the double. The FA Cup then was magical. It was a, it was the pinnacle of many footballers' careers to play in the FA Cup final and to win it. It's not the same anymore. Many top clubs play reserve team uh, sides in the early stages. That, to me, is not a proper competition. It wasn't just the FA Cups, though. I mean, in Wenger's defence, it was the consistent amount of years that he got Champions League football. That is what else he bought. And I think yeah, that like is something that's stark now, that you, you're not anywhere near. It's like qualifying to be in a supermodel's bedroom, but never actually getting to sleep with her. But now you, you but now you can't even see a supermodel. You can't even see the supermodel. But my point is, we only ever got to one Champions League final and we lost it. We only, I think, ever made two Champions League semi-finals in the history of the Champions League. You know, sorry, but well, I think that's a big question. I mean, look. We judge Arteta, we're not judging the same way we judged Unai Emery, um, who went on to win things after he left us and won a lot of things before us. Um, Emery was given 18 months. Arteta's had that long, and we've ended up out of Europe for the first time in 35 years. And we've also ended up uh, in our worst league position that I can remember for a very, very long time. Has there been improvement? I think no. There's been no improvement yet. I think this is a massive transfer window this summer for Arteta. I totally hope he gets the money he wants. But, you know, again, going back to your you know, perfectly, I think, good point about Wenger getting the Champions League, the advantage of being in the Champions League, you can attract top players. Mm. We can't 
attract, I don't think, the same calibre of player in this window that we might have done had we qualified for Europe. So, you you know, you're trying to get players who know they won't play European football. That's a big ask of any any of the top players. You know, you're not going to get a Haaland or a Kane or any of these guys to come to a team that isn't in Europe. So, you know, Arteta's going to be very hamstrung. Uh, but I would say there are lots of players in that squad that need to just raise their game. If they all play, frankly, with the intensity and heart and hunger of Kieran Tierney at left back, we'd be fine. Yeah. On that note... It's that that we need. On that note, I also think that for Unai Emery coming in straight after Wenger, he didn't try to change too much of the culture of the football club because as the guy after Wenger, he couldn't really do that. There was only so many things. Whereas I think Arteta is really trying to do that. And I wondered, David, whether you thought the culture of the football club, something had got lost, certainly towards the end of Wenger's reign into Unai Emery's, where there was a little bit of sitting on their laurels, not, you know, not having that Tierney approach, not having that Tierney approach to football anymore, being on the big contracts, enjoying a certain lifestyle, being in London. Come on, where's, where's the actual grit and determination? Can we mention one name here, Meza Ozil, who I think personified the malaise that you're talking about, who after Sanchez went to United, uh, we panicked, didn't want to lose Ozil too, gave him 350 grand a week. He never played again. Mm. We literally barely played again. Yeah. And when he did play, he was pretty hopeless. Um, I think that, David, to me, Ozil summed up the problem. Ozil's attitude stank the place out. And when you watch the highest paid player behaving like that, I think it sends completely the wrong message down the line to the younger players. Yeah. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Seaman says, in conversation. Piers, I played, I played golf with Ashley, Ashley Cole um, a while ago, and I was shocked in what he said. He said that when he went to Chelsea, he said the winning attitude was miles ahead of Arsenal. Mm. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I was like, really? You know, and I couldn't believe that, that he went, yeah, he said... He said, when, when you left and when a few of the other guys left, he said it just totally changed. Well, Paul Scholes, I met Paul Scholes a couple of years ago. I'd never met. I met a great chat. And hey, I couldn't believe how small he is when you meet him, given how brilliant <laughs> player and how hard he was. Um, but I said to him, tell me, what's the problem? Am I wrong about this Arsenal team? Am I being unfair? He went, absolutely not. He said, when you used to get in the tunnel, and in fact, a lot of the United players of that era cite the 97-98 Arsenal team as the best of all of the title-winning teams, the most perfect in terms of the, the balance of the team, with you in goal, the back four, best in Europe, Petit and Vieira, you know, Overmars, Anelka, Ian Wright. I mean, that was an amazing team. Depp Burkamp weaving yeah. his magic. Um, but he said, you, you'd get him a tunnel against any of those Arsenal title-winning teams under Wenger. And you'd look down and you'd think, we're in a war. We're in a war today. 
You'd see Keown snarling at you, Bold, <laughs> Adams, Vieira, Petit, and even Burkamp used to put the boot in. You'd see Parley, you'd see Lundberg. They'd all be snorting and snarling. And you'd think, we're in a fight here and we might lose. He said, this lot, weak as bleep. <laughs> he said, if I looked down, if I looked down and saw Ozil and these guys, I'd laugh. Yeah. I'd laugh. Because you, you knew you wouldn't be in a war. You'd be in something else. Yeah. And I thought so, that was a very honest, accurate, and sad thing to hear come out of Paul Scholes' mouth because he never needed to be raised for any game. None of that United team did, and none of the great Arsenal teams needed to be. Would that be said about football in general now, though? Because I think even if you look at the Manchester United team of today, you don't have those big figures. You don't have the Roy Keane and, and the snarl and the... Has it have the players become a bit softer? Is that I don't think so. I mean, if you look at if you look at Man City, I think they're fantastic in terms of determination and hunger and strength and keep going, going, going. You don't have to be fighting all the time. I mean, Vieira and Keane was the great feud and great war, and they loved having a good old punch up as well. But you don't have to do that. <laughs> you know, Skulls didn't get sent off that often, but he he ran the midfield like a general whenever he played, whoever he played, England or Man United. I just think it's an attitude of mine. Kieran Tini doesn't get into fights, but he's a warrior. And it's that warrior mentality. When you cross that line, you look at the badge and you go, we're going to football war and we don't come back unless we win and it will be last man standing if it has to be. It's that attitude. Now, I don't think, David, you can give people that attitude. I really don't. I think it's about selecting players for the squad who have it in them. Ferguson... He would only sign players if he felt they had that in them. He wouldn't sign mentally weak players or players who were soft. He just wouldn't sign them. And yeah, I think yeah. that it's the signing process. It's the recruitment. You've got to go and get the Kieran Tierney's, identify them, find them. You know, we had that, you know, especially when Arsene Kane, like say, we, we, we dropped that that mentality of being really strong and, and aggressive. And then when Arsene came, he saw that and then he added to it. But then the guys that came in, you know, like you said, like Patrick and, and Manu, they saw what we were like and they joined in and they, they got it. But I think now it's the other way around. You know, you're only getting like one or two that are in the team that have got it. You know, like you say about Kieran Tierney. You who know, it's almost you, like... Who would you worry about having a fight with? Seriously. I know. Yeah, on that that TV. Tierney, when I watched him training <laughs> in the snow without his shirt on, <laughs> he brilliant. I thought he'd be a problem on a dark Friday night. <laughs> but the rest of them, honestly, yeah. no, I just think, and it's all we don't have very good players. Bamiyang's a top player. And I don't know what happened to him last season. I think he had a few issues. He had a health issue off the field. He had his mum, very sadly, I think, uh, died or one of his parents died. I think these things can bear a lot on a player, and I have to give him some slack for that. I hope we see the real Aubameyang this season coming up. So we've we've got good players. I think Partey yeah. was brilliant at Atletico Madrid. He's not delivered yet in the way that I, I, I hope to. <laughs> Saka, clearly great emerging talent. Smith Rowe can't afford to lose players like that to Aston yeah. Villa, who clearly yeah. fancied their chances because they're probably saying, we've, we're a better team. Yeah. And frankly, who's to argue with that? So I think you've got to um, you've got to get the right kind of players, and you and when you get them, you've got to make them advance. My issue with Arteta: who's improving under Arteta? Who's improving? Yeah, I think it's going to be improvement. Yeah, it's going to be a really important first half of the season because if it 
if we don't produce or you know like start getting into a really good position in the league, then I think <laughs> I think Arteta's under big pressure. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and and especially with the fans being in, you know, they will put the pressure on the team. You know, that's where I felt like the the, the team got away with it a little bit last season because the yeah. fans were in there to see that and they would have let their feelings know for definite. Absolutely, absolutely right. And it's look, I I want Arteta looks the part. He sounds the part. He says all the right things, but he does the odd thing where I'm like, I don't think that's good leadership. When Aubameyang turned up late for the Tottenham derby, um, yeah, okay, if you want to discipline him and the captain shouldn't be late for a game like that, then, all right, bench him. But don't go and tell the world mm. why. And don't go and humiliate your captain. <laughs> you know, yeah. Ferguson oh and Wenger God. would never do that. And I think that was a moment to me when I went, if you're a Aubameyang, you're like, Really? Given the state of this team right now, you're yeah. going to humiliate me, your top scorer. And I think that these these top these goal scorers, they're like thoroughbred racehorses. You've got to nurture them. You've got to love them. You've got to make them feel fantastic all the time. Otherwise, they start to sulk and then they don't play the same way. I think that's <laughs> what happened with the Bamiyang a bit. Yeah, totally agree. Well, Piers, it's been amazing having you on, mate. When are we going to see you back on our screens? Uh, well, I, I, I'm, this is actually the best audience I've had for a long time. But I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, honest, I'm enjoying a nice summer of watching the football, cricket, uh, getting a bit fit, out, get a suntan, and then, you know, look towards the later in the year. Um, but I, what I can't believe before we go there, I can't believe you managed to go through half an hour of talking to me about the Euros without the mentioning last time, the what last time I, did I saw to you, you in 1997. So, uh, good, exactly. good Morning Britain set in the, in <laughs> the World Cup. And I was with Jason Kinsey. And it was about the female commentator's voice, if you remember. Um, not, not necessarily and, and for this, but I just wondered you know, what you thought of Emma Hayes and, and her He's taking the pictures and, oh, so funny. There's a very short version of that. We can't let it go without telling you. You were out fishing with Gaza and Ian Walker, the reserve keeper. And we got a tip that you were out there on the boat before the big game with Germany, wasn't it? I think Spain, Spain, uh, Spain. That's right, because it was that's right. And then um, we sent a guy called Arnie down to get the picture. He got great pictures of, of you guys out fishing. But then you saw it, and he was on a rival boat, I think, wasn't he? And you saw him, and he chased after him, and of course Gaza was in his element. And uh, anyway, it ends up with Arnie in his car trying to get away, you lot trying to undo his tires. Uh, Jazza was trying to let me tie it down. And as he sped away, mm. he very nearly broke Jazza's leg and broke your hand, which if that had happened, I think I'd have been sent out of the country. I'd have been deported. And then Arnie drove straight through a, 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 a wooden gate, a big wooden gate, trashing his car in the process. Anyway, the bottom line was Gaza called the last number on his phone. <laughs> it was me. I pick it up and he goes, who's that? I went, Piers. He was like, Piers Morgan, it's Gaza. He said, you want to have your phone back? Listen to this. He threw it. And the phone just disappeared into the lake. Anyway, bottom line, we got the pictures. Front phase the next day. Gaza's armada with Abel Seaman and Walker being a Spurs guy. Walker the plank. Absolutely <laughs> dynamite. <laughs> Absolutely perfect, mate. <laughs> and you, you won know, the game, so I would argue it was motivational. <laughs> yeah, you gave me the motivation to save the penalties, mate. Thanks for that. <laughs> You're all thinking of me. <laughs> Cheers, guys. No. Loads. Yeah. Loads and loads. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Adam was getting whiter and whiter as yes. that was going on. Ha, ha, ha.
Yeah, I really like it. I think the the female commentator has been really good. Um, yeah, I don't. My criteria don't, don't. For this is I don't care about gender. I don't care yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, race. yeah. The story is amazing because you've mentioned that as well um, on one before, David. So now we get that, it for it. Yes, in the, the gathering interviews, and now we get it from the other way around. There's a woman we? called Emma commentating, um, or Alex you don't Scott, have to put the Emma Hazen thing in. I just, I just was interested. Same with any of them. My only criteria: Are you good? And do I enjoy what you do? You won't and have time. In no, Emma's no. case, absolutely. I think Alex is a star. I think there's so many of uh, the women coming through. But I look forward to the day quite soon, I hope, when it doesn't matter. Mm. And we don't have to talk about female commentators. All that matters is, oh, who's on commentary tonight? It's him, her, him, her, and they're all good. Uh, isn't that what we want to get to quite oh, fast? Yeah, yeah. So I, I just think these yeah. debates, yeah, they're fun but kind of pointless. I think it's great to see women's football developing the way it is. It's great to see so many more women's faces Okay, do you, want, do you want me to the tee that up then? With, like, on we've, TV. Yeah, okay. And good luck to everybody. And if you're good enough, Moving great. on to the quarterfinals, but you have to reflect a bit on this last 16 round. What a load of it matches is. we got to it enjoy. Is. There were some That's crazy results. <laughs> crazy <laughs> guys, and again, One of them and involved in the goalkeeper, Unai Simon. Did he have his I'm so happy I've interviewed you. The greatest goalkeeper in the history of Arsenal. And we've had some great keepers. But the all-time great, David C. Nice one, dude. Thanks very much, mate. Cool. Take care, guys. <laughs>